My name is Dr. Jeffrey Burke. I'm a naturopath and a master herbalist and the host of the Staying Healthy Radio Show. My show airs Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. I bring you the best guest in the industry and the topics that are relevant for today's health. The shows stream live at 8 a.m. And for those of you that cannot listen live, my shows are now podcast daily for on-demand downloads at my webpage, drjeffreyburke.com. The show is sponsored by Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas's oldest independent health food retailer, now in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. They're located at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Smith Shopping Center. Go in and see what a local retailer can do for you. Great selection, the most knowledgeable staff, the highest quality products, and amazing prices. The hours of the store are Monday through Friday 9 to 7, Saturdays 9 to 6, and closed on Sunday. I'm looking forward to talking with all of you soon. Stay healthy. Hello and welcome back to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. I thank you all for taking the time out of your day to stop by and tune in and hopefully walk away with information, you know, vital for your good health. Maybe you'll learn a little bit. Maybe you'll be reminded of something that you knew in the past. Maybe even, you know, learn something along the way and maybe just get motivated enough to start, you know, taking better care. That's the whole idea of the show. Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning, that's what we do. We talk about the relevant topics for today's world. The best of the best products, the best companies that have transparent formulations, who use the best raw products to make us more successful on our healthy journey. I also bring you the best guest in the industry so we can have those discussions so that you've got the tools and you've got the information so that you can actually move forward in a really good positive way. And, you know, it's easier to make decisions when you've got some good information at your fingertips. So that's really, really important as well. So hopefully you'll take the time to tune in throughout the week. And remember, all of the shows are podcast for on-demand downloads uh, at Stay Healthy Health Food Store's website, stayhealthylasvegas.com, where you can download all the shows, listen to them when it's convenient for you. When you're there, you can also um, print a coupon to use in the store, enter your email address for future newsletters that the store sends out those are all good things remember it's all about information education and hopefully knowledge that comes your way that make those decisions that we do make a lot easier stay healthy health food store well they're your one-stop full-service location for everything health and nutrition you'll find them on the northwest corner of rancho and charleston open monday through friday nine till five saturdays nine till five and hopefully um, you can visit them sometime during the week and go in and look around the store. But let's say that you're in a hurry. Let's say there's another thing, pressing information, schedules, whatever. If you call them at 877-2494, 877-2494, you can schedule mail order delivery. You can schedule curbside service. They'll even get your order all ready for you. So you could just run in, stop, pick it up and be on your way. Or you can come in and look around the store and meet the most knowledgeable staff with the best customer service. Stay healthy. Las Vegas's oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. It's a fully packed store. 
with all the good stuff every single day. Great prices, great staff, great information, education, have a conversation, have a dialogue, have a consultation, you know, get your questions answered and, you know, feel really good about the choices that you're making about your health and well-being. That's what it's all about. 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center. Remember, on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right near Smith's, 877-2494. Well, today we're going to be talking with Neil Levin. If you have not had the absolute incredible uh, you know, pleasure of hearing Neil in the past, Neil's been doing radio shows with me for a long time. Um, I'll give you a little background because you're going to enjoy this one just as well. Neil is the nutrition education manager and the product formulator for the natural products manufacturer Now Foods. Neil is board certified clinical nutritionist who has a diplomat in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment. He's a professional member of the International and American Associations of Clinical Nutritionists, serves on the Scientific Council of the Clinical Nutrition Board, and he's the director, program chair, and past president of the American Nutrition Association and serves on the Public Relations Committee of the American Herbal Products Association. His comments and articles are published all over in magazines and newspapers. He contributes to scientific journals. He has been featured in countless radio interviews and television news reports. Neil posts articles on his blog, honestnutrition.com and nowfoods.com. You'll find him tweeting as Neil E. Levin and on Facebook, a definite must, follow him at Honest Nutrition. Help me welcome my guest. Hey, Neil. Hello. It's nice to be back with you. Thank you so much. How's everything in your world, sir? Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, pretty day. It should be warm today and partly sunny, and spring is here in full blast. Mm -hmm. do you miss, Rock and roll. Do you miss being on the road? I do. Um, I, I still have... Uh, you know, things that are being canceled for uh, <laughs> trade shows and various things. I don't imagine I'll be going anywhere before maybe July, August, if I'm lucky. Mm. Yeah, I just, um, I'm back out there, and it's just, uh, it's been great to actually be, be out around people. I mean, uh, I've literally been around animals for the last 13 months, so which is all right, you know, but I have to tell you, it's it's been fun. I've been driving everywhere, but I'll start flying again next week, so... Um, looking forward to just kind of, you know, being on the road again and um, being out there and do what we do, and hopefully we'll all be back to Abbey Normal soon. Yeah, well, I was just looking. I've been on. I've been a guest on your show for at least twelve years. Oh my goodness, has it been that long? Yeah, oh nine. I have several programs. I might have been before then, but that's the earliest ones I've got. You know, the copy of the podcast. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, we started when we were like what, fifteen? So we're we're young. So let's. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, uh, when I talked to Marge yesterday, she was talking about um, us a couple topics today, and she picked two really cool topics that I think. And I know we've done these topics in the past, but they're two topics that are, you know, very very common today. You know, as far as the situations, number one being digestion, and I know that maybe the second half we can talk about vitamin D because boy, it has been so propelled into the limelight. Um, digestion is, is a huge category. I, I enjoy talking about this a lot because of the fact that so many people have either by their own hand, their own knife, fork, and spoon, uh, or stress, or their lifestyle, or lifestyle choices, or the food choices have dramatically compromised 
you know, their digestive systems. And, you know, I, I just, I, I rarely talk to somebody that does not have some digestive distress, but many people I talk to have severe. And I know it's annoying. I know that the symptoms of bad digestion are, are awful. But, you know, I think we sometimes need to take a step back and realize, am I going to cover up the problem or am I going to get to the source and maybe make my gut healthier? What do you think? Well, I mean, that's, that's true. People like to eat foods they like and they don't like foods they don't like. And, you know, a lot of people are very picky. Sometimes that's because they, they have a different sense of taste than other people. Um you know, there's there's issues like the cilantro issue. Some people have, if they eat cilantro, it tastes like soap. They're super tasters. There, there's all kinds of reasons people have for having these preferences, and they're based on biological imperatives of the body. Uh, this goes back to the old evolutionary thing of being able to sense poisons or if something's safe, something that's bitter is more likely to be a poison than something that's sweet, for example. And, you know, things that were scarce in the early days of mankind uh, are now abundant, and we could eat as much as we want, and we simply don't have the controls, the internal controls, to be able to resist them and to handle them when we eat them and out of balance. So, you know, we're not eating a good plant-based diet. It doesn't have to be vegetarian, but mostly plant-based. Uh, we have to have the uh, natural foods with fiber and, and phytonutrients, plant-based nutrients to be healthy. And a lot of us simply are not balancing our diet. One, one problem that I've found is that nutrition is uh, another dismal science where everyone thinks they're an expert on their own body, their own digestion, their own needs. And if we look around us, we see a lot of us are not doing that well at, at managing that. But we all think we're the experts and, and we're all nutritionists in, in a sense. We're all generic nutritionists uh, for ourselves. And having some overconfidence in our abilities to deal with and manage our diet and our digestion and all that uh, simply isn't working for some people. And they need more tools. They need more awareness is one of the tools to be able to figure out what's going on. And this is important not just for digestion, but uh, in connection with vitamin D, they Digestion and vitamin D status both have a role in immunity. And that's another reason making them so important. About two-thirds of our immune activity occurs in the gut because what we're eating is a potential challenge for our health and safety and not just nourishment. So our body has a reason to be suspicious of things that we eat and drink. And being able to deal with that through digestion, first of all, but then with the immune system as a backup system is becoming a problem as well because if you don't digest well, the immune system starts attacking the foods that we're eating. And some of the proteins in the foods might be similar to proteins in our body, and there might, may be a connection between autoimmune problems 
or food sensitivities that develop over time and our state of digestion and the state of our digestive tract itself. And things like probiotics, which are part of our digestive process. Uh, probiotics are the live organisms that live in our body, trillions of them. There are more live organisms coexisting in our body than actual cells of our body. So that's how important these symbiotic organisms are to us, the, the probiotics that are pro-life that uh, are actually necessary. We need probiotics in our gut to act as kind of a chain mail protecting the lining of the gut and edit, helping us edit what we eat from what gets digested and absorbed in the body. And the stuff that's not well digested or not desired by the body passes through. So we need that protection. Uh, that layer actually acts as a media, a medium to facilitate communication between immune cells and gut cells. And these probiotics actually make nutrients like vitamin K and neurotransmitters. And our mood depends largely on how well our digestion is because there's a nerve running from the gut to the brain that shares neurotransmitters and information. And so we rely on it to control our mood and all these other issues too. So the gut is, is a second brain in essence. It's actually linked directly to the brain and communicates with the brain and has feedback mechanisms shared with the brain so that uh, if you want to be relaxed and you need GABA, this amino acid GABA, to be relaxed, there's certain probiotics that make large amounts of that in the gut. Uh, serotonin and melatonin, uh, there's actually more of that made in the gut than in the brain. So our relaxing cycles, our sleep cycles, largely depend on our digestive tract being intact and functional. So there, there is not a disconnect between immunity, digestion, and vitamin D. Vitamin D is necessary for certain immune cells and is also necessary for immune cells to be as strong as they can be. Uh, immune cells are better equipped, better armed, if they have vitamin D in their receptors than if they don't. It's like sending them out with, with poor equipment if you don't have adequate vitamin D. So there, there's an interrelationship between digestion, vitamin D, and immunity, which a lot of people are not aware of. But of course, as you mentioned earlier, uh, vitamin D has been hot, hot, hot for over a year because people recognize its connection to immunity, not necessarily the broad public, but certainly a lot of people who are shopping in natural food stores, uh, like, like, Mar like Marge's store, and being able to manage their nutrition in such a way that they're not lacking. Uh, this is very important because we, we need these nutrients to be healthy, and if we don't digest properly, the nutrients will not be available to us even if we eat them. Hmm. Do you feel 
people say all the time, you know, people eat what they see advertised and what they see on media and what they read about. And obviously we all gravitate toward really good tasting unhealthy food because um, they've learned how to make terrible food taste really appetizing. But number one, do you feel like bad foods are advertised for a reason? And do you think that bad foods... Not that they're putting something in it to make them addictive, but it's just, or do we just get really just compulsive about our unhealthy foods? I'm curious what you think. Well, well sugar is addictive. And, you know, chewing is, is something that takes a lot of energy. If, if you have these whole wholesome foods that require a lot of chewing and you're not eating as much of the food, and it's taking longer to get to the nutrients in the food, uh, that's something that is actually healthier, but it's not giving you that immediate gratification. You're not getting a sugar high. You're not getting a flavor burst. So these things that are based on our evolutionary capabilities, our being able to sense what we're eating and tell if it's going to be healthy or not, has been erased by modern technology producing modern food. And obviously you can't patent broccoli. I mean, maybe you could patent a certain variety of broccoli, but, you know, nobody's really advertising broccoli on TV except maybe a broccoli board or something somewhere. But if you have a breakfast cereal or you have a snack cake or whatever it is, a cookie, uh, those things are being heavily advertised and or, or fast food even. And these are not the healthier choices. And one thing that, that is not being considered, uh, I remember years ago I had a subscription to one of these consumer magazines that was rating products and things like that. And they rated breakfast cereals based on price per ounce. And all the fast food mass market brands came out ahead of the natural products. Uh, and the rationale was there's no nutritional difference between a fortified cereal and a whole grain healthy cereal, so we're just going to rate them based on price per ounce. And it didn't make any sense to me as a nutritionist. What, what fiber doesn't count? Isn't that a nutrient? You know, I mean, the nutrient density of foods is different, yet we're going to treat them all the same uh sugar-sweetened sugar bombs, cereal versus oatmeal or something, and act like they're exactly the same and the only consideration for consumers is how much you're paying for that box. I, I think that's ridiculous. One of the things that I think about when I'm thinking about what you're just saying is, you know, people know what they should be eating. People know the foods that we should be consuming. And we also know that the foods that we should be consuming are not going to be the foods in most cases that we are craving. Because, you know, when someone's craving food, I mean, you have people out there like me. I mean, I love vegetables. I mean, I would rather have a bowl of Brussels sprouts than a, hand, than a candy bar. That's just me. It's very weird. Um, but, you know, most people, what they crave or if they get depressed or if their emotions are involved or if they're celebrating something or drowning their sorrows, they are not reaching out for a piece of broiled chicken and a salad. They're reaching out for other things. And the world has been, let's just face it, in major turmoil for quite a while now. And, you know, when we start feeling like that, food is a comfort. So, 
You know, and I think that when you com- completely do these kind of foods over and over, I think our digestive systems, I think they get exhausted. I think they get overworked. And if you don't support them, you end up not getting all the benefits that are available because your body just doesn't have the capability. I mean, I've been taking digestive enzymes for a long time. Your super enzymes work amazing, and I know we're going to mention those. But, you know, the reason that they work is the way that I look at enzymes is they help us do the job that we used to be able to do before we screwed it up. And part of the reason that we messed up our digestion is be, not only because we're not eating the right foods and we're, we're challenging our digestion in a bad way. Uh, for example, uh, the amount of sugar we eat compared to the amount of fiber. Fiber controls blood sugar. If you're eating, a, if you're eating a, an orange, you're not going to have a big spike in blood sugar from eating an orange because you're eating one orange and it's got a limited amount of juice and sugar and it's got fiber, the pectin that's in there, that slows down the blood sugar coming in. So you don't have a, a great spike of blood sugar requiring insulin and, and that whole system. Uh, but if you squeeze six oranges and make a glass of orange juice and you take all the fiber away, now you have all the sugar, none of the fiber, and it, it's going to spike your blood sugar. If, if, you're, if there's a diabetic and their blood sugar is getting low and they drink a glass of orange juice, they're likely to be spiking their sugar back up. But if you eat an orange, it, it's far less likely. And so it's the quantity that you can eat. You can eat six oranges worth of sugar, basically, instead of one orange worth of sugar, and you're not slowing down the uptake of sugar by chewing and uh, and and the fiber that slows down the digestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, your blood sugar spikes a lot more, and you you secrete insulin. And over time, you start getting insulin sensitivity problems, insulin resistance, where your blood sugar is not brought down enough by the insulin anymore. And you end up eventually with, uh, first of all, you you end up with metabolic syndrome, which includes a a collection of symptoms, giving you a higher risk for certain issues. And eventually you can come up with uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, adult onset diabetes, heart disease, all linked to this over time if it continues and worsens. So, you know, it's an early sign that blood sugar is going out of control that you're not managing this whole system right and you're not eating enough whole foods, you're not balancing your system correctly. But, you know, the the obvious options, if, if you're on the road in an office in a downtown area, you're not going to have as many holistic options unless you really search for them or bring your own food with you. You know, people at home, you you actually have more temptation to go after things that are unhealthy and not to eat regular meals. But digestion requires some concentration. You you really have to notice your foods. The aromatherapy of the food itself, that you can smell it, starts your digestive process. Mm-hmm. That your your body is actually sampling. Molecules of the food that are floating through the air as scent, and you're, 
theoretically you would have some knowledge in your body of what that food is and how how it behaves. That here comes something sweet. Look at an artificial sweetener, for example. Your body tastes something sweet, and it starts creating insulin to to get prepared for that. But it's an artificial sweetener. It fooled the body. What happens? It, it pushes your blood sugar down, and then you start craving sweets. This has been shown in, in various studies where some of these artificial sweeteners can backfire, and the natural sweeteners like stevia or monk fruit don't tend to have that problem because they're natural molecules that the body recognizes, and it understands these are not sugars. These are related to sugars, but they're not sugars. They taste sweet, but they're not sweeteners. They're not going to raise blood sugar. So the body understands that these terpenes and other compounds in in foods that taste sweet but aren't containing sugar uh, are different from sugar, but they don't under, the body doesn't understand that artificial sweeteners are not different from sugar because there's new molecules that the body is not experienced with dealing with. Oh, okay. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens when we use a digestive enzyme? Are we using it to come to the rescue to do what we can't do? Are we correct, uh, correcting some of our deficiency um, and using it on an ongoing basis? How does that work? Well, there's actually two different general types of digestive enzymes. And uh, the ones that are plant-based, uh, bromelain, uh, the one from uh, papaya, papain, or the uh, so-called fungal enzymes, the ones that are produced by fungal organisms but are isolated as pure, uh, typically pharmaceutical-grade enzymes, uh, they are adding to digestion. They do not replace your own digestion, but they always add to digestion. And the plant-based enzymes are, are usually the first resort for people who have digestive issues. And the ones, like you mentioned, like super enzymes, contain uh, pancreatic enzymes, contain ox bile, uh, so it has bile to replace what's in the gallbladder. It has hydrochloric acid in there to replace stomach acid. Those actually replace digestion or displace digestion. And it's been shown that taking pancreatic enzymes orally can actually reduce our own production of pancreatic enzymes, like pancreatin. Mm. So if you want to add to digestion, you go to the plant-based enzyme. Uh, that's the optimal digestive system, the plant enzymes, the uh, digest ultimate, those kind of formulas by now. If you want to, if that doesn't work and you you need some more, uh, maybe you don't have a gallbladder. You need some ox bile instead of your own bile because you don't have bile. Maybe you want a super enzymes that has the ox bile. Maybe you, your your pancreas is not working properly and you need to take pancreatic enzymes. Maybe you don't produce enough stomach acid. Now, stomach acid has a wide range of benefits that people are not necessarily aware of. Uh, if someone gets heartburn, of course, they think it's a horrible thing to have stomach acid. But A, it's an immune barrier. 
B, it helps tear apart your foods so that you can access the nutrients in there. You're not going to get your B12 from your food if you don't have stomach acid to pull it out or other nutrients. You're not going to get your minerals out of your food if you can't pull it out with acid. You're not going to digest protein if you don't have acid to start tearing apart the lining of the connections between the amino acids. And uh, the acidity also activates the protein digestive enzyme pepsin in the stomach. So pepsin is only working in an acidic environment. And if you're taking an antacid, you're actually turning off your ability to have a have an immune barrier, an acidic immune barrier. So you're challenging the immune system more. You're reducing your ability to digest proteins properly, and you're reducing your ability to pull nutrients out of food. And when we look at lab results and we see amino acids are down across the board, minerals are down across the board, vitamins are down across the board, and they seem to be eating okay, low stomach acid is the first thing we would consider as a problem okay now let me ask you another question it seems like especially around america it seems like people are and have bought into using an acid proton pump inhibitor meaning you know and they're advertised for people to get gas and bloating and heartburn and indigestion and the thing about it is is people use it for a short period of time and a lot of their symptoms go away. And I think most of us are more concerned about the annoying symptoms than actually fixing the actual problem. And then when people have been on these for a period of time, you know, and then they go off of them, they find out that they really didn't fix anything. There was basically a, a blanket put over the problem, and they just weren't dealing with it and having to deal with the annoyance any longer. When you use a digestive enzyme, how does it differ than using like a acid proton pump inhibitor? Um, I mean, what is what are they doing differently, and what should we know? Well, one thing is we're not blocking digestion, and we're not blocking the immune barrier. So if you, I mean, heartburn is uncomfortable. Obviously, you want to do something about it. Uh, one thing that we've talked about on your program before is the timing of when you get heartburn is an important signal for a clinician. For example... If you get heartburn right away when you eat, it means something different than if you get heartburn an hour after you eat. Uh. It, means, it means the opposite, actually. Getting heart, a delayed heartburn might indicate that the person is not producing enough acid to digest food, and after a while in the stomach, after about an hour, the, the food should be digested in the stomach and move on to the small intestine. But if it's not digested, it's going to hold there. And your stomach is clenched tight at the top and bottom, trying to hold the food in during that, that digestive period. There's muscles there that could be weak. They could be inflamed. They could be uh, some, some problem when you were born where they're not formed correctly. Everyone's stomach's a different shape, by the way. They, there is no standard shape for a stomach anymore. Uh, if, you, if you look at photos in... Uh, biology books, there, there are all kinds of different shaped pouches on, on people. They, they just form differently. And they, they run at different angles in the body even. So if the body cannot digest that food within the allotted amount of time, 
these muscles start relaxing and that weak acid in the stomach, not enough to digest food properly, is enough to burn the esophagus. So people are obviously going to want to take an antacid. Almost every antacid is going to have on there that it's not for long-term use. It's going to rob your body of nutrients. It's going to remove an immune barrier. And across the board, you're going to be getting fewer nutrients unless you're taking pre-digested forms. Like you can take pre-digested forms of minerals, like the, like the citrates or, or things like that. Uh, that you don't have to worry about pulling them out of food and digesting. You're actually supplementing in place of diet at that point. That's not ideal, but it's better than not getting nutrients. You take a multivitamin, you're typically getting forms that don't need digestion as long as they're not food-based nutrients where the nutrients are locked into foods, and you sure need that acid to pull it out. Mm-hmm. So you know you need to avoid the food-based vitamins. You need to get the isolated uh, pre-digested forms of vitamins and minerals and amino acids to be able to actually get those nutrients if you're taking antacids. But it's not antacids are not a long-term solution. If you could take a plant-based enzyme and that does not contain hydrochloric acid or pancreatic enzymes or those kind of things, uh, they're suitable for vegetarians as well. If you could take those and get the digestion you need, then you don't need the antacids. And one good sign is that if about an hour after you eat, you start getting heartburn, you might need more stomach acid. You might need, maybe the plant enzymes will be enough to jump that hurdle, but it's a good sign that the stomach acid is uh, in question. Do you ever think that there is a reason to ever use an acid proton pump inhibitor? Well, I think if I mean if you're getting heartburn, you're obviously going to want to deal with it. Exactly. I mean that that that's not a bad thing. I mean, but again, there's there's a range of possibilities. If you take a normal antacid that contains calcium, calcium carbonate, a non-predigested form that's alkaline, uh, that will help minimize that effect. And, in fact, we even make a product that combines the calcium carbonate with enzymes in a chewable acid relief that uh, you can take your antacid and get some of these plant enzymes with it so that you're not just shutting off digestion in the stomach with the antacid. You're trying to digest the food as well and get them out of the stomach because if they leave the stomach undigested, undigested, you're still going to have problems lower down as it goes through the intestine, including potential immune challenges to undigested protein, which could result, as I mentioned, in food sensitivities developing or even autoimmune disease uh, if it prolongs. So those are not desirable outcomes. Mm -hmm. Now, Last question before we go on to vitamin D, because we need to do that as well. Is there a good time, best time to take your super enzymes um, before a meal, in the middle of the meal, after the meal? Do you have a preference or does it depend? My preference is typically, if you don't know your status, uh, take it in the middle of the meal or two-thirds through the meal. Uh-huh. Give, give your body.
make its own enzymes before it encounters the enzymes in the stomach. Because you're taking pancreatic enzymes there, and they don't work in a, an acidic pH. So they're only going to work if you don't have enough stomach acid to do the job in the stomach, which is unfortunate. Uh, but the pancreatic enzymes are not going to help you digest in the stomach. They're going to help you digest in a neutral pH in the small intestine. So... Uh, that's important to to realize that the, the enzymes you take, uh, super enzymes are better later in the meal, and the plant enzymes can be taken anytime. They're they're going to start working right away. I kind of like to not throw all the food on top of them though in the stomach. I'll take them in the middle or late in the meal also, just so they're kind of embedded in the food and not all the food sitting on top of it. Hmm. You know, I think I agree with you. I think it's you have a little pillow of food in there and then take it and then let it go from there. Are, are you, one more question, are you um, an advocate of not over-drinking liquid at your meal if you are digestive challenged? Well, yes. That, I mean, that's going to be a problem if you dilute your enzymes as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the old saying that nutritionists have that goes back decades is, Chew your liquids and and drink your solids. Mm. Chew up your solids until they're liquid and then swallow them. That's going to help you digest better because you're going to chew them thoroughly. If you have something besides water that you're drinking, like, like milk, for example, or nut milks or anything like that, it might require digestion. There might be sugar in a milk. There might be protein in a milk. And mixing saliva with it thoroughly is going to help you to digest that better. It's also going to slow down your eating. I don't know about you, but after about 20 minutes of chewing, I'm, I'm pretty much done. So if you're eating something that's real chewy and, and solid, you're going to eat less of it than if you're eating, you know, just gulping down things because you're thoroughly chewing it. You know, chewing does slow down eating, but it dramatically improves digestion. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's let's segue over to vitamin D. Vitamin D has um, become very, very visible this year, probably more than I think anybody else over the last period for many reasons. You know, I come from a time when vitamin D was, you know, something that people didn't even talk about very much because way back when, you know, a low dose of too much of it was considered almost toxic. Um, I remember four decades ago. And of course, today it's a completely different thing. What should people know about vitamin D and, and why is it important, not just during a pandemic, but on an ongoing basis? Well, vitamin D has a wide range of, of benefits to the body. We need it to absorb calcium properly and to form bones. Uh, we need, there are receptors in the prostate gland. There are receptors in the pancreas. We need it to make insulin. There are receptors in immune cells. We need it for proper immunity. You, you start looking around and you're seeing more and more cells in the body with vitamin D receptors, and you're going, well, this is not a bone or a tooth or something like that. Why do we need vitamin D for these cells to function properly? And vitamin D in the body actually acts 
like a hormone. It acts kind of like estrogen or, or one of those kind of hormones, uh, which also, you know, estrogen has a role in bone density. So does vitamin D. Uh, you start seeing these connections, uh, brain and memory and, and, and other things. And in Europe, they actually recognize a claim for adequate vitamin D preventing swaying and falling, helping people keep their balance as they age. Huh, really? And it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing about people who fall and break their hips or bones, whether there's some speculation that the bone might have been weak and broke to make them fall, or it might have been too weak to support them and they fell, which came first. But vitamin D seems to be implicated in both of these functions to preserve our, our health and be able to stand and walk and and balance. Uh, I'm one, I also wonder if there's something involved in the timing of walking. If you think about how a child learns to walk, uh, walking is literally where you fall forward and catch yourself with one foot. And then you kind of lean forward and, and swing the other foot and, and you catch yourself with the other foot. You're, you're almost doing a controlled semi-fall with every step. And when you watch a little kid, a toddler, learn to walk, and they, they have to learn how to fall on their butt, which is usually padded with diapers at that point, fortunately, uh, you could tell it's kind of a controlled, balance, lean, catch yourself, every step. And I, I'm wondering if there's something with the muscles and the timing. Because uh, vitamin D affects muscles, too, including the heart. It, has, it does it actually has a role in the heart as well as, as other muscles. And that's another recognized uh, benefit in Europe for vitamin D is that it has benefits for muscle health and heart health. These are not recognized benefits by the U.S. government. And Europe is considered far more conservative, <laughs> which is strange. But only bone and dental health are the basis for the RDA for vitamin D in the United States. But there's actually evidence that higher doses, maybe eight or ten times the RDA, are necessary for these additional benefits of vitamin D. Prostate health, blood sugar health, heart health, muscle health, uh, all these other things that vitamin D is known to do. So... I think uh, American doctors who are looking at this, and uh, typically when they have the Institute of Medicine looks every 10 years or so at RDAs and decides to renew them, they don't always put experts on the nutrient on the panel that's deciding how much is used. So they have someone who's ignorant of the full range of benefits of vitamin D deciding how much vitamin D is needed, and they look only at bone and dental health, and they don't look at all the other roles that vitamin D is known to do in the body, including being a, having a profound influence on innate immunity. And what that is is you, you actually have two phases of immunity in the body. Innate immunity is your... Basically, you have immune, if you think of an army metaphor, these are the scouts that go out, but they're well-armed if they have vitamin D, and they can knock out most invaders 
on contact. If the invaders are too many or too strong, they call in reinforcements, which takes a couple days to, to gear up for that, and that's your adaptive immunity, your secondary immunity. So you, we need both kinds, but vitamin D makes the first kind much, much stronger. It's like upgrading the weaponry on your scouts so that they rarely have to call in reinforcements. Hmm. How come the, the dosing has changed so dramatically? I mean, I remember when, Neil, you remember it was like 400 international units, and that was kind of what we talked about, and that's kind of what was accepted at that point in time. And, you know, it's so much higher today. Is it because they're finally looking? Is it because they're finally accepting that we need more? Um, what do you think? Well, if you go back to the 1980s, 1990s, there was a great fear among physicians because they weren't routinely testing for vitamin D that vitamin D was fat-soluble, and that means it doesn't wash out of the body quickly. It can accumulate over time. And to a lot of people, that meant it was potentially dangerous. And the danger level is about, if you look at 30 nanogram per milliliter as a standard uh, measure of having adequate vitamin D in the, in the serum. It, it, it levels about 200 that you, you risk having kidney damage and things like that. So if, if you have levels up to, say, you know, double digits, you know, my, my, my levels are in the 80s, not the 30s. And those are considered healthy levels. You're, you're not anywhere near the risk of having any kidney damage, which is uh, the real risk from too much vitamin D. The other potential risk, though, that people aren't necessarily aware of is if your vitamin D and your vitamin K are out of balance. Because vitamin D helps you absorb vitamin D, but you don't want calcium deposits forming because the vitamin D is not being utilized properly and transported properly in the body. And vitamin K2, especially, is responsible for that. So that's one reason a lot of cardiologists are recommending the vitamin K in doses of between 160 and 300 micrograms a day for that use, sometimes higher. Uh, so, you know, you need a balance of these things, but huh. I, I think doctors were just afraid of the term fat-soluble, and they knew it, it, was, it would not wash out quickly, and they feared that people would get too much, and they didn't have enough information to know more. I see. Yeah, because it's, it's quite interesting today. The, the dosings have gotten, I mean, unbelievably so much stronger, and... You know, and I know they're checking for it now in our blood work. You know, people are doing blood work checkups and, you know, they're, they're, um, the doctors are saying, you know, you're low, you should be taking much more or, you know, this or that or this. And, uh, and honestly, I think what it's done is it's made people a little bit more aware of their vitamin D. They're actually thinking about it now. So I was just, just wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I would say that people are much more aware of vitamin E now than they were 10 or 20 years ago, certainly. Mm -hmm. And the fear among doctors is largely subsided because they've looked at the evidence. 
you know, it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, it's fat soluble. It's going to accumulate in the body. Let's be cautious. Now there's enough information to say, well, we don't have to be that cautious. Where we actually need to be more cautious not to have deficiencies and not to have insufficiencies. I mean, if you look at the data, uh, if your level of vitamin D is less than half of the low end of the normal range, uh, which is about 30 nanogram per milliliter, if, if you look at levels below 15 or below 7.5, uh, below 7.5 is very, very low, and you see the risk of cardiovascular events like stroke or heart attacks going up by about two and a half times. And there, there's very few factors you look at. Uh, if you look at cholesterol, if you look at blood pressure, all these other classic heart uh, factors people are looking at, uh, that the doctors look at, they do not account for as much risk of heart attack or stroke as low vitamin D. Okay. No, that's so, perfect. That's I mean, <laughs> that helps. You know, that's just one aspect of vitamin D. You know, uh, I, I brought my level up from the teens and low 20s up to the 80s by taking 10,000 units a day for a few years. Okay. You know, it took a while. It wasn't instant. You know, it took years to get it up there. But uh, I, what I read was that 88 nanogram per milliliter is the level at which the body starts down-regulating its production of vitamin D. And if you're, if you're getting it from sunlight, the skin is normally going to tan and even burn and prevent you from getting additional vitamin D. There, you cannot, unless you're al albino or something, you don't have the pigment in your skin, you cannot overdose on vitamin D from sunlight because it's self-correcting. Okay. All right. But one, pro one problem with the research over the years was doctors look at supplementation, and they don't look at sunlight, and they don't look at diet, which are the other two sources of vitamin D. And so they're, they're speculating based on incomplete information. That's the difference between taking a food or a nutrient and taking a drug. A drug is always novel and going to add to the body. And a nutrient might already be in the body, might have other sources, and really should be accounted for. You should have serum levels or blood levels. You should have uh, supplementation. You should know where the, all the potential sources are and measure them for an accurate study. And too many studies have looked only at supplementation and ignored the serum levels and things like that on nutrients. And that's why we're getting so much confusing information. This vitamin works, this vitamin doesn't work, because they're not accurately accounting for all the variables. They don't understand that a nutrient is not a drug and needs additional variables controlled. Okay. Oh, this was great. Neil, thank you so much. So much information. I'll make sure that I have people go and um, listen to the podcast or send their friends with some of these issues. Um, thank you so much for today. It's always a pleasure to have you here. It's great to talk to you. I, I hope to see you in person one of these days again, but uh, <laughs> it'll come. We're hoping Expo East. That's the way it's looking right now. So uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll all be able to get together. Will you be going there if it's open? At this point. 
point, probably not. Really? But who knows? Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. We'll run into each other again. Thank you so much, my friend. Take care. Nice talking to you. My guest today, Neil Levin, representing Now Foods. Always a pleasure to have Neil here. He brings such great information to the show, and um, he's just really good. And he's a, a very, very um, important person in our industry because he's involved in so many, many different things and facets of the industry. So we get the pleasure to hear him every single month. How cool is that? Thank you for tuning in today. All of the Now Foods products, you can pick up Now Food products at Stay Healthy Health Food Store. Today we talked about the super enzymes. We also talked about vitamin D. Um, head over to Stay Healthy Health Food Store, your one-stop, full-service location for everything health and nutrition. Now in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley, they are Las Vegas's oldest independent health food retailer. You'll find them at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center. That's on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right near Smith's. Visit them Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5. They're closed on Sunday. Uh, call them, 877-2494-877-2494. Um, you can arrange mail order services, curbside service. They'll even get your order together for you, and you can just swoop in and pick it up. You know, everybody's busy today, so... Uh, all those are available. Just set them up when you call them at 877-2494. You can also go in the store and enjoy shopping around and check out all the wonderful changes they made at the store. It's sure looking beautiful there. They're in the process of giving it a great new face, and I think that's awesome. Seeing as they've been around a long time, you know, new face is good. Everybody needs a facelift at one time, I guess. Um, so the store is getting that facelift right now. Um, don't forget about their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. You can go there and enter your email address. And remember, it's about information and education. You'll start getting a newsletter every single month with good information. That's what it's all about. And then you can also print a coupon to use on your next visit to the store. Don't forget all the radio shows. You know, I get the link from Jeffrey. I sent it to Lisa. Lisa posted on the webpage. So all of the radio show podcasts are available at your fingertips at their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. It's a great way to stay connected to the store. And like I said, print a coupon, enter your email address, become connected with the store. Don't forget to give them a thumbs up on their Facebook page. They have great posts. Uh, and don't forget, go in and check out all of the great products at Stay Healthy Health Food Store. They're amazing. They carry only the best of the best, and that's an important thing. Have a great day, everyone, and a great week. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. Remember to tune in Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. for the most up-to-date, relevant information on your health with the best guest in the industry, helping all of us to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. For your convenience, podcasts of the show are now available at my website, drjeffreyburke.com. Simply click on the archive icon to make available on-demand podcast downloads. Make sure to visit Stay Healthy Health Food Store for all your nutrition needs. Stay Healthy provides reliable, responsible, relevant service every single day. I look forward to talking with all of you soon.